Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, quite a crazy week in politics this has been. The election results from last weekend were quite surprising, quite unexpected. Although in some ways not unexpected at all. It seems to me we had two peaks and in the middle we had a trough if you look at the voting numbers and the voting statistics. And what can I say about that man, Nigel Farage? What do we make of him? Certainly it seems to be the case folks either love him or hate him. No middle ground for Mr. Farage. He certainly has a way with words. He does not mince his words. He does not speak and you are left undecided as to what he is meaning and where he stands. And that's the story in a nutshell of the election results. The two peaks dwarfing the centric valley. The two peaks standing for the clear and straightforward, no messing about, no sitting on the political fence type of politics. Leave Europe on one side and remain in Europe on the other. And in the middle, that centric valley that did not get many votes, we have the traditional strong parties of UK politics. Why? Because unlike the Liberals or the SNP or the Greens or the Brexit party, there was infighting and there was sitting in the fence and there was holding back on, on clear decision making and clear words. What does this tell us? Well, we're not doing a question time side debate this morning, or an election night post-mortem. But what we do see is that sometimes people just want somebody to speak clearly and definitely. Maybe that's why Nigel Farage did well with this time. Today we come to quite an awkward passage of the Bible. We see Jesus not holding back on his words, no mincing his words, angry and impassioned, clear and definite. And we like the gentle, meek and mild Jesus, forgiving, merciful and nice. But in this speech, Jesus is more Nigel Farage than well, the more calm politicians of our times. In Scottish parlance, we might say, Jesus is taking a wee hairy, a wee hairy fit. He has lost the plot. Or is that what's happening? Is Jesus just losing it? Straining of gnats and swallowing camels. Jesus is showing a eyes angry, a, a vain, bulging type of anger. Impassioned anger. 
context, this week, kind of aid that Jesus offers. It comes within the Sermon of the Mind, and it comes after that other section where Jesus talks about blessing. Blessing being upon those who endure, who show perseverance, who are patient and kind, who show right living. And then, in a contrast, he turns to those who are doing the opposite and, say, and says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, you hypocrites of the church. Scholars tell us that it's quite common in the times that Jesus is speaking for this type of debate or type of argument to get personal. It was a, a technique. Jesus is responding to those who were calling him out for being a demon, actually calling him Beelzebub, and he reacted by actually calling his enemies names, the brood of vipers, describing them like a tomb with dead bones and filth. Jesus leaving nobody in doubt that he has First of all, the authority and the skill of debate and argument. Secondly, in no doubt, he is angry at the hypocrisy that he is seeing in the church. Their self-indulgent, arrogant ways, claiming the authority to speak for God, but not showing it in the living. He's not calling into question that they had a right to speak for God. That's what the church has. But he's calling into question the fact that he does not recognise God in what they are doing in the systems that they have created within the church. One Sunday morning, a stranger entered the church just before the service was to begin. Although the old man and his clothes were spotlessly clean, he wore jeans, he had a plain t-shirt on, and his trainers looked well-worn. In his hands, he carried a Bible, also looking a bit shabby and tattery around the edges. Now, the church that he entered was in a nice part of the city. The people of the congregation were all dressed up in expensive clothes, and looked like they had all accessorised up for the occasion. Everything matched. Nothing out of place. No one greeted or spoke to the old man visiting. Nobody welcomed him. Some even cast sideways looks at the old man. And the old man noticed. The preacher gave a long sermon. Hellfire and brimstone type thing. With a wee sideways comment about calling people to be generous with the offering. As the old man was leaving the church, the minister approached him, said that he hoped that he'd enjoyed his visit to the church, but commented that maybe if he were to think about coming back, he should talk to God about what an appropriate style of dress might be, just to make him feel a bit more comfortable when he was in church. Sure enough, the same man appeared the following Sunday, and he showed up again wearing the same ragged jeans, t-shirt, and the tattered trainers. The minister approached the man and said, I thought I'd asked you to speak to God before.
before you get back to church. I did, he replied. Well, if you spoke to God, said the pastor, what did he tell you about proper attire? What did he say should be worn for your attendance at the church here? Well, sir, he said, God told me that he didn't have a clue what advice to give me about what to wear. Because he'd never been in that church. <laughs> never been portrayed properly, perhaps. Presented in the right way. Shared. Never mirrored as an actual God. I wonder if it's something like that lying at the heart of Jesus' list of woes. Jesus calling out those for whom appearance of holiness and righteousness and respectability and authority seems to be of higher importance than actually cultivating on the inside a true reflection of God, actually welcoming the true genuine God into their very makeup and center of life. Jesus clearly didn't recognize God residing in the message of the scribes and Pharisees that he was commenting on. He didn't recognize God's spirit in their church and in their actions. Yet, these are the very same people who preached holiness to the masses, who told the masses how to live and how to enter into God's kingdom. But Jesus disagreed. Jesus saw what they were offering as an affront to true divine love. God wants hearts and minds that are pure. Because if we are pure and faithful on the inside, then that faithfulness will be seen on the outside in the way that we live, in the way that we prioritise, in the way that we treat others. The hypocrites of the day pretended to be holy. Yet Jesus questioned what was on the inside. He questioned their motives. He questioned the motives of that church that was meant to be functioning in the name of God. And I think it's refreshing on a morning such as this to see Jesus in this mode, not holding back, not sitting in the fence, but speaking out clearly and with passion, to hear him being direct about the wrongness of a certain way of life. To be impassioned about the ways of God, speaking with authority, painting a picture of God that was absolutely opposite to the picture being created by these scribes and Pharisees. Now I don't know how well I would get on this morning if I was to stand up here and rattle off a list of woe to you guys. <laughs> Woe to you, Mr. and Mrs. Let's not even mention names. <laughs> but the way that I saw you living last week. Woe to you, elders, who are about to serve. Don't get any kind of I'm joking. I'm joking. Yeah, I, I would be very careful about doing that because I don't want you to slap me in the face as you read church this morning. I like you to smile at me. 
So be careful about any specific calling you out for things. But I perhaps would be more likely to call out the things of society that I see uh, as wrong. I'd be happier to say woe to those who are slow to welcome foreigners. Woe to those who are discriminating against others on account of religion or sexuality or gender. Woe to those who by actions or by their policies increase the poverty in the world. Woe to those who mean that the good things of life are not freely available to all and to everybody. There's so much that's wrong in society and the world. And maybe what the, the world is needing the Church of Scotland to be is to be a wee bit more dramatically clear in calling out the things of, the, of society that are wrong. Challenging those who hold power to say, hang on, is that right? Is that not condemning some people to a lesser quality of life than others? The church is called to speak the mind of God, to show the heart of God. That's our role as a church, not just to sit inside a nice building like this and feel good about ourselves for being here and worshiping God, patting each other on the back for the, the, the hard work that we do in the church. Church is about breathing the spirit of God, the spirit of Jesus. Breathing it, allowing it to grow and flourish and come to maturity so that in the world the kingdom of God can flourish. As we finish off today, I offer you one of the phrases in the text that we jumped out, and that's the one that says, Woe to you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you tie mint, dill, and cumin. You have neglected. You've neglected the weightier matters of the law, namely justice. Mercy and faith, it is these that you ought to have practiced. Jesus is all about justice and mercy. He modeled that teaching, not just in his words or his sermon mouth, but on the way he actually cared for the poor of his society. We need to model ourselves on him. Perhaps as the people of God, we need to do better at telling people clearly where things are at in this world. How we can speak more clearly about justice. How we can be more direct in tackling the social ills of society that leave some experiencing life in much harder ways than others. How can we demand peace for our world and foster the absence of fear and terror? How can we develop the courage of our convictions to speak out the truth we've been given and to do so with clarity and with passion in order that the world and society we take on. God needs us to be that church. The church with windows that look out in the world. The church with windows that allow the world to look in on us and to hear in this place a message and see people who are committed to creating the kingdom of God in the world. God needs us today as much as ever. The question I think that we're left with is, are we ready to be non-committal, but to nail our colours to the mass, to be clear and definite?